It is so vitally important, especially in our careers, because we give and we give and we give. You cannot keep giving without taking care of yourself because you will burn out. That is a key message I just keep keep trying to get across. You know, now is not the time to show who's the strongest. Now is the time to be, okay, I need to step back here and I need to take a moment for myself. Podcast PDNC. Where it's not sit and get. It's listen and launch. There is definitely a certain personality type that is called to education. Inherently, we, as educators, feel driven to help others in some way or another. Obviously, the nuts and bolts are there, right? Like helping someone figure out 2 plus 2, or how to identify the parts of speech, or even how to persevere in the face of difficulty. But how many of us also take into account the fact that we need help sometimes, or that we should help ourselves? If you've ever traveled in an airplane, you've heard the safety speech. These are the exits. Seat cushions as flotation devices, which always gives me a reason to pause and consider that scenario. But most importantly, in the event of a loss of cabin pressure, put your own oxygen mask on prior to assisting others with theirs. We have to realize that in order to take care of others in the best way possible, we have to first take care of ourselves. This is easier said than done, especially for us fixers in the world. But today, we're going to spend some time talking about and exploring all the ways to secure our own oxygen mask first, so that we can be sure to be at our best and able to help someone else secure theirs. We invited two guidance counselors from Dare County to discuss mindfulness and teacher well-being. Chris Carapoli works for Cape Hatteras Elementary, and Blair James comes to us from First Flight Elementary. Between the two of them, there are, let's say, several decades of experience in supporting both teachers and students. Chris, I mean that in the best way. Qualified, basically, to be talking about, which is why we wanted you here. You know, it's one thing for us to tell people take care of yourself. It's another thing for a very trained professional like you and Blair to Mm -hmm. uh, remind us of those things. So... If you two will talk specifically about what are you doing in your schools for helping teachers combat some of the things that you just talked about. First, I want to say that I think one of the key things is being able to read what's not being said. (laughs) As counselors, I think that it's in our instinct to pay attention to all to everything, what's being said and what's not being said when it comes to our staff. It's the things that aren't being said. So it's those teachers I am concerned most about are the ones who aren't venting, that are quiet, that are keeping to themselves. Those are the ones, first of all, that I personally, I reach out to and ask them, how are you doing, really? And find a way to relate to them and say, like, I'm struggling too. And that's the thing, to keep it real because we as counselors, we meet at least the elementary school and Blair can confirm this. We meet every week and usually it's a complaint session. I'm not going to lie because that is the time that we can vent out our frustrations 
with colleagues who really get what our frustrations are. And you need that. And I will be the first to tell teachers, like, you need to be able to talk about that. So simple talking is a great tool. As far as for Blair and I coming up with the mindfulness and the yoga, Dare County Schools has really been been turning to the mindfulness. And a lot of us have been taking the courses with mindfulschools.org. I've taken four courses, educators, um, one for your own self, one on difficult emotions and one on communication. And the biggest thing is just trying to find those little things during the day. Like it doesn't have to be a big time segment. Like you guys were just saying, we took 20 seconds to look away from our screens. In that 20 seconds, you could be doing three or four nice deep breaths. And I know that that sounds silly, but breathing and being aware of our breath automatically senses to our brain system that we can we can become calm. Getting up and doing a couple of stretches too, it does the body good. We are oftentimes hunched forward looking into our screens and if we just simply open up and sort of, you know, pull our shoulders down away and do some neck rolls, those simple things, it doesn't have to be a lot of time that you are dedicating. But also, most importantly, and this is going to be my last point before I give it to Blair, is that reinforcing to not only ourselves, because I think that's important, but to our peers that we work with and our colleagues, to give our pers- ourselves permission to take time for ourselves. It is so vitally important, especially in our careers, because we give and we give and we give. You cannot keep giving without taking care of yourself because you will burn out. That is a key message I just keep keep trying to get across. You know, now is not the time to show who's the strongest. Now is the time to be, okay, I need to step back here and I need to take a moment for myself. So those are the sort of things that um, I've been doing here Blair, go ahead and take over and talk a little bit about what she's doing. (laughs) I don't talk as much as you do, do I, Chris? (laughs) Thanks. So, yeah, so we were so worried about, you know, compassion fatigue uh, and teacher burnout. And um, so we thought this was critical time to talk about wellness for the teachers as well. So uh, Chris said Dare County is really emphasizing SEL for um, our county and getting it out there to the students. So we as counselors have put together some calendars with lessons for each day, just videos and some discussion questions that the teachers can use to take that off of them so that they can have something right at the tip of their fingers. They can shoot it out to the um, their students and use it during their morning meetings or sometime during the school day to have a little SEL moment. I have personally, like, I think last week, since my days are all running together, I think I put out, I made a whole bunch of different Chex Mix and some sweet treats. I, uh, yeah, with my own money. <laughs> and I made, I made a cute little sign, something like, during this mix-up time, I just want to Chex 
mixed uptime checks and see, make sure you're appreciated and sat that out. And I got lots and lots of thank yous and I think they enjoyed it. So just little things like that. Every Friday I make a recording of, I call it a self-help and wellness series. And I try to make it almost humorous, but it's chock full of really great information that they seem to really appreciate. I've been using, I don't even do Snapchat, but I've been using the Snapchat like filters. And so (laughs) it's really quite funny because my eyes are big and my mouth is huge and my mouth and my voice is translated into something funny, you know, helpful things like that to really take care of themselves. I don't know. I think that um, I think that's all really I've been doing just recently and checking in with the with the teachers as well if they need something. Claire, I love that you are making those those videos. It reminds me of the whole discussion about you know teachers making their own videos for their kids versus finding that perfect video on YouTube or Khan Academy or you know Learn Zillion or wherever they're finding videos. How much kids or in your case teachers appreciate seeing their person you know their own their own person in making these things even though it maybe could be found someplace else i wanted to just interject here real quick and say i think that um, for blair and i from our perspective and working as school counselors is that not only are we concerned about social emotional well-being but also our own personal experiences in dealing with the technology. And, and you could just no joke that when COVID hit, I mean, we were all forced to become experts in technology. And we have not only the students and the children we're trying to look after and parents, but then we're trying to deal with this whole technology thing. Just all the stuff people realized, you know, just the impact of, of being on a computer all day long and and what it can do for you know what it does to you as far as your health and stuff looking at a screen all day long and just being caught in that little square and I think that was another thing for us was seeing that the toll it was taking on a lot of our staff the the technology and the stress that that was creating in and of itself to always be having to create and being able to work out all these solutions for not only themselves, but students and parents. And that's one thing that we just think that, you know, because we live in a technological society, we think that it's automatic and it's really not. And that's one thing that this has taught us all is that we're not all as technical savvy as others and it can be extremely stressful. So, you know, just reminding ourselves and each other simply to give each other, you know, grace and to be okay with that. You know, I I think that's another important thing is as educators, especially, we just strive for perfection. But this point in time, we can't, we can't expect that perfection because right now is the time that we need to be taking care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And, you know, I think it's important to, you know, on the ITF stuff, I'm still I'm away from my ITF group, but I'm also I'm sort of on the fringes of it. And all of a sudden, everybody needs to know. It used to be we'd go into a building and we'd go around and find people who, you know, wanted to work with us. And now they are just bombarded with 
you know, the nuts and bolts problems, like, you know, the Chromebook needs to be power washed and, and that sort of thing. And then yeah. like the actual using of this device to teach. <laughs> so it's, it is, it's a lot on every, every, you know, component of the system. You know, a lot of things that we do involves being social. And for teachers, that can mean your classroom in and of itself. Our teachers, even us as counselors, we look to that. Like we love coming to school and seeing our children because kids are fun to be around. For the most part, most days, things are great. You laugh a lot and you have fun while you're learning. And it's all different now. And that's the piece that, that's missing. So people fill their day up with whether it's food or staying in the computer or staying on their devices. So you bring up a really great point. I mean, that, that definitely is, has been a huge change. I think it's very important what you guys said at the beginning about giving yourself some grace, giving yourself permission to take that time. Like I myself have had to be at the beginning, I was doing better than I fell into this trap for a long while where I wasn't walking during the day. I was sitting here at this desk working. I'd get up and go get something to drink, come back to the desk. I'd go to the bathroom, come back to the desk. I'd get my lunch, bring it back to the desk. And I've really tried in the past couple of weeks to be more intentional about it's okay to take 20 minutes and go walk. A lap around my street is a quarter of a mile. So it's okay to go walk four laps. You don't have to run. It takes me 20 minutes. I'm a big old boy, but you know, it's okay to do that. And get my steps and get my mile and then come back in later in the evening and do it again. But it just, even just getting out, breathing and listening to something different. And have you guys noticed, I think it's like, I don't know if it's everywhere, but I'm going to blame it on like the American work ethic of we feel like if we do take a break, we have to somehow justify it. That, you know, it's like there's this pride in, well, you know, I worked 10 hours today. I worked 14. I got up and. Two o'clock in the morning and work. Really? Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's not self-indulgent. It's not a luxury. It's not a weakness. It is. It's the Western culture. It really is. Chris, you bring up a really great point because I myself find that I often get to the end of the day and I'm like, I have no idea what I just did today because, I mean, my mind, I'm hopping from one thing to the other. And that brings up a really great point about we need to remember it is about quality not quantity and if you if we're doing everything and at the end of the day we can't remember really what we have done that we are not being intentional about it and so that's another reason why it's so good for us to give ourselves permission to take those little breaks that we need two minutes three minutes just enough time to be like, okay, whoa, I got to take a minute here. Let's breathe. Let's think about, okay, this is going on. Just to be intentional and think before starting to go again. Mm-hmm. Because that says a lot. You are doing so much in a day that your brain is not even able to keep up with everything that you're doing. And what is it that you're really getting out of that? We also teach with our students the zones of regulation, and that's sort of that same concept. And 
I think having great body awareness is another key. And that's one of the things that I love about yoga and teaching yoga is that it gives you this greater of body awareness. And I don't, I mean, like internally what's going on in the body and, and knowing when you are starting to become stressed and, and knowing when you're starting to become frustrated, being aware of those key things, it's that you notice that little bit of tension in your neck or that tightness in the belly, or you become aware that, oh, wow, I'm not even, I'm not even really breathing. I'm holding my breath. People don't realize how much they hold their breath when they're stressed. And that's the worst thing that we can do. You know, that's one of the things that, like I said, that I I love teaching at yoga is just that having that whole self-awareness of your body and when your body is going through dis-ease, not disease, but dis-ease and just the things that you can, simple things that you can do to re-regulate yourself, you know, and, and that's really what it's about right now is just taking that time to, to get yourself back in that, quote, normal zone where you feel like, okay, I, I can do this. I can, I can function. And normal is so, it's so subjective. It's different for everybody. That's why it's important for you to be in tune to yourself. And I think we lose that a lot in the society in general, but especially right now, I mean, I would say educators with so much that's going on, we've we've lost those things so one of the things as you were talking that i would that you made me think of was how many steps i would get in a day even as an itf but especially as a teacher right and how many steps i do not get now because i am like sitting here looking at people all day or typing something that i'm going to send to them and then look at them while they read it i don't know i wonder if especially our plan b and our plan c teachers who are you know, much more remote, if they're having, if maybe that the stress was present, they felt stressed, but because they were moving all day long, they were able to kind of just, you know, work it out by, by default, where mm-hmm. we don't have that anymore built, you know, as a built-in. The strategy I'm hearing the most is this keep it real. Blair, I remember you saying in the Dare County presentation that you had an accountability, you had a friend that said, hey, I know you need to take a break. Why don't you go do something? And you said you played tennis. Again, it's just powerful to hear people who are telling us to take care of ourselves are needing to have those reminders too. You know, I think that that idea of sometimes we even look to people like you too and go, oh, but they probably have it all together and they totally do mindfulness. And then just like you guys are both saying, when you have your own sessions of guidance counselors talking to each other, that it's a lot of the same reminders that you're giving us and giving kids. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're so, so normal. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> we go home. My family always says, you use up all your nights at school. So I don't, I don't know that. But, um, but I do. I love that call, the Calm app. I totally recommend the Calm app for everybody. And yeah. my son uses it from time to time. He's 13. So mm-hmm. You can always count on the counselors to talk about the feely emotional stuff. <laughs> we got to keep it real. I appreciate it a lot. Um, keep it real is exactly what I think we got out of this. Yeah. yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Compassion fatigue is something that has come up a few times in the past couple weeks for me. And here in this interview with Blair and Chris, it came up again 
So I wanted to pause before the end of the podcast to address what it means and how it impacts us, especially teaching during a pandemic. Dr. Figley coined this phrase in 1995, and according to American Psychological Association, compassion fatigue occurs when psychologists or other caretakers take on the suffering of patients who have experienced extreme stress or trauma. Dr. Figley states that it is an occupational hazard of any professionals who use their emotions and their heart. It's like a dark cloud that hangs over your head. It goes wherever you go and it invades your thoughts. In the show notes, we have an entire article from the APA and how compassion fatigue is exceptionally high in 2020 due to the pandemic. Some of the symptoms of compassion fatigue include anxiety, difficulty concentrating, depression, changes in sleeping or eating patterns, hypervigilance, anger and or aggression, guilt, loss of boundaries, and indifference. Have you been feeling any of these symptoms lately? The root is likely linked to your compassion and your care for your students, families, and neighbors during this challenging year. To learn more about compassion fatigue, there are some articles and videos on the episode website, and some of them are specific to educators. So how do we combat this fatigue and fog? As Chris and Blair shared, mindfulness is an important step. The trick is to be quiet, still, and reflective, not multitasking. Let me say that one again. It's not mindful to be doing mindfulness and listening to a podcast or cooking or putting away the laundry or showering. Seriously, these are reminders for myself as much as for you. The next step is boundaries. Establish some and stick with them. Easier said than done, sure, but it's also essential. Listen to the episode launch next and hopefully that will help you embrace this important step in battling compassion fatigue and to help you put on your own oxygen mask before helping others. At the end of each episode, we will sign off with a challenge. Since Podcast PD isn't sit and get, but rather listen and launch, the episode's challenge will involve reflection and ignite some change in your practice. This isn't homework and no one will check for participation or give you a grade, but we hope you use it to continue taking the next step in your journey. Bad news first. Only you can look out for yourself. Administrators, policymakers, politicians, and even family members can't create a mindfulness practice for you. They aren't able to establish your boundaries. Only you can do that. The good news, you can look out for yourself. First step, make a plan. People with a plan are more likely to be successful. When can you carve out time for mindfulness? Does an app appeal to you? When will you download it and get started? Do some research or ask a health professional or even set a few alarms on your phone to remind you to log off for a moment, breathe, or stretch a few times a day. The first step to battling compassion, fatigue, and burnout starts with those small healthy habits, and every step counts. Then, when you're ready for more, establish boundaries. 
As Molly said, it's easier said than done, but we have to do it if we want to best serve ourselves, our families, and our students. To throw another analogy out there, you can't pour from an empty cup. The show notes on bit.ly forward slash podcast PDNC have a few places to start both with mindfulness and with establishing boundaries. We care about you and your well-being. If you need any help at all, reach out to a trusted friend, a colleague, or even us. Take care of yourself. You matter. Podcast PDNC. It's not sit and get. It's listen and launch. Thanks for listening to Podcast PDNC. We'd love to feature your ideas and expertise on a future episode. To contribute and to find out more information, please check out our website at bit.ly forward slash podcast PDNC. That's bit.ly forward slash podcast PDNC. Podcast PDNC was written, recorded, and produced by the NCDPI Digital Teaching and Learning Innovative Learning Catalysts, Molly Holloman, Stacy Lovedahl, and Chris Bennett. It is available through our website, through Anchor.fm, and through Spotify, with more platforms to come soon. The sound effects used in this episode were taken from the BBC Sound Effects Library, which can be found at bbcsfx.acropolis.org.uk. Thanks for joining us, and we do look forward to hearing from you. The discussion of these tools and resources is not an endorsement from the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction, Digital Teaching and Learning, or Stacy, Chris, and Molly.